You're listening to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. I have a question for you. Are you feeling overwhelmed by the college recruiting process? You have come to the right place. Jill will bring you expert tips and interviews with special guests to help you take a deep breath and know, yes, you are moving in the right direction to find your college team. After this podcast, don't forget to head to Jill's shop page to purchase her two guidebooks that will make everything in college recruiting much more clear and simple. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to College Recruiting with Jill Hicks. Today, I have a really special guest, and as most of you know, Clemson announced their um, head coach, Amy Smith, this week. So I've had a lot of parents, a lot of recruits asking me a zillion questions. Everybody is so excited about this program. And so I thought it would be great to have somebody come on here who has a wealth of experience in starting a Division I program. And in fact, all of you out there who haven't been involved in college gymnastics for as many years as we have, this is pretty rare. So it's going to be um, rare in the sense that there haven't been that many Division I programs added to um, the NCAA so, and started from scratch. So that's why I brought on our guest today. His name is Mark Cook. You may or may not um, remember him, but welcome, Mark. And give us a little bit of your background in the sport of women's gymnastics. Well, it's been 40 years, but anyway, um, I'll, I'll be brief. Um, I started off as a club coach in California, uh, 16 years as a club coach, 14 as a head coach at Clovis Academy of Gymnastics and Dance. Um, back in those days, Valerie was choreographing routines for my top level kids from UCLA. And, um, and I had one of my athletes on scholarship there, uh, Dee Fisher. And so after a long time there, uh, Valerie had an opening. She contacted me, offered me a job and decided to get into college coaching. So I went to UCLA, uh, spent uh, three years there with her and helped her and the program win a national championship in 97. Through that, I had an opportunity to go to Stanford and become the head coach there with uh, my soon-to-be uh, wife, Renee List. And so we went there, uh, spent four years there um, as a head coach there, and then you know had a great career, was doing well. But we heard about this new program being started in Arkansas. And so I contacted Dev Lewis, the athletic director, and said I wanted to have some more information on that. So she contacted us. We flew out there. And... Uh, we were offered the job, and it was an opportunity of a lifetime to create something that had not been done for a long time. A little scary, but uh, it's hard leaving California, but we did it. And, uh, and so uh, spent uh, 17 seasons, 18 years there with the head coach. Renee left in 2014. Unfortunately, we separated, but she went on to other things, and I stayed there for an additional five years and retired in July of 2019. Well, shout out to Renee because she's yeah. now a Division Three coach and doing a great job. Boy, she, she loves it. She loves it. A lot of kids to that program. Yeah. So, um, and that is Brockport, right? Correct. Okay, I get those Bridgeport, Brockport always. I know. Confused. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I, I got it confused too. So I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. But that's exciting. Okay. Wow, Mark, amazing, isn't it? I mean, yes, it is. Kind of a, a great ride. Yeah. 
Wouldn't you say that I tell parents this all the time, it feels so big to them when they're starting the process, but it's kind of a small world of coaches. Um, a lot of coaches stay in it a long time. They do. And it's, it is a small world, and especially when you go to some of the meets after retired, you see some of the, the old coaches like Bill Wright and some of the people I was able to visit with at nationals. You just, you know, we all have a lot of history together and we all have a love for the sport. And so it's nice to have that camaraderie. I love that. Yeah. Well, great things are happening at Arkansas. I mean, you guys, you still live there, right? So yes, I, yeah, yeah, same house. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah. great. In fact, Valerie lives uh, about a mile and a half from me. She's having a house built here. So I could throw a rock and hit her place right now. I know. I can't wait to visit. I see yeah. all the videos and pictures and all the stuff. Yeah. So yeah. How, how bizarre is that? I mean, who would have thought, you know? Well, it, is, it is kind of bizarre. It's like... You know, a lot of the staff here and people are from UCLA. It's kind of funny because actually I coach there too. So it's, uh, it's just kind of like surreal. Like, you know, Valerie would never imagine moving here either, even after so many years, we tell how great it was. And her husband played football here. So there was that connection. And uh, getting out of California was, I think, another positive, you know. So she's so far, she really likes it here a lot. I know. She loves it. Yeah. It's great. Okay. Well, let's dive into this. So, okay. like I said, as we know, Amy was announced as the new head coach um, at Clemson. Mm -hmm. So what can recruits expect initially? I mean, I talked to Amy for about an hour yesterday, so I kind of know she's going crazy. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. Hard, it's a lot it? on your plate. It's a lot on your plate. And she has great support there from what I've heard. Um, the thing is, you know, you just have to have faith in the program and faith in the administration because they're, they're diving all in. And so they have to build a facility and, and that takes a little bit of time um, and to secure all the equipment and installations and, and whatnot. It is a lot. Um, and then, you know, the kids coming in, you know, it, it'll be an adjustment because their staff there has not run gymnastics before, but they will be fast learners and they'll be professionals. So it'll happen. So it's just a matter of being a little patient with the process, but it'll be exciting too, because, um, when you go someplace like that, you are embraced like you can't believe, especially with the Clemson fan base. Um, it's going to be pretty spectacular there. Um, so I think the, the recruits will see a lot of excitement on campus in the community. Um, and it, it'll be an experience of a lifetime for a lot of kids. So I'm on the other end now with um, all these kids who are trying to get recruited. Right. And I think what they often feel is right when that got announced they thought you know the head coach would start recruiting and yeah. I don't I don't see it like that do you I mean what would be some of the first steps you would be thinking Amy would be doing um like even today like trying to what she has to manage to say goodbye to her current athletes and then getting physically to right. Clemson what what was that like for you and what do you think Amy's going through well it was it was extremely difficult for me and Renee mostly you know to say goodbye to the Stanford girls we loved them to death and they were so talented and we had that that program really in position to to really go for a national championship and we left with the recruiting we were doing so that was really hard but then the logistics as far as you know buying a house moving getting situated getting out there getting in your office um trying to figure out a plan you have to get your infrastructure in place first you have to get an assistant coach maybe not two i i would recommend just going with one the first couple of years that's just my my preference and because you have too much on the plate 
you don't want to get your, your athletic trainer in place. You want to get, you know, your nutritionist in place, all the infrastructure pieces that are going to help you be successful, sports information, uh, et cetera. So once you finally get there and get a place to live and you're getting all situated, then you have to start putting together a list of potential recruits, you know, because that's the most important aspect of, of starting a program are the girls, the team. Uh, you also have to start working in the community, Rotary Club, et cetera, getting out there, doing public speaking to address people and try to get the, the buzz going about the sport. Uh, you have to meet with the administration to find out how they want to run their department as far as business-wise and, and everything like that. And uh, just got there's a lot of paperwork. Uh, there's a lot of you know administrative things that have to be done. And it's a lot, but uh, I'm sure that Amy is up to the task. Me too. I think she's going to do great. Um, That is beautifully, beautifully said because um, these kids don't realize Mm -hmm. um, half of of anything that we do as head coaches. How could they? They've never even, you know, been a college gymnast yet, yet, but they think they have to get their name to Amy right away. And I think they can take a step back, deep breath, give Amy some time. I mean, it could actually take the entire summer before she starts really, you know, moving on recruits. So you just never know. I know she told me the number one thing was to get that gym built. Yes. So, and, um, you know, get her assistant coach in place to help with some of that. So, but it's going to take some time. So if you're an athlete out there and you're really interested in Clemson, just know that not hearing from Amy doesn't mean she wouldn't have interest. It just takes a lot of time to get, like you said, the infrastructure in place. So that's correct. You know, just uh, it's, it's okay to send information like that about where you're at and your interest. And but at the same time, you know, it's it's going to be a process, and so they just need to be patient. If they're very interested in that, just you know, uh, make your contact and just you know wait to see uh, what happens. Yeah. yeah. So, a couple things. I'll start with. The biggest thing kids have a question about or recruits is it says online that they will start a 23-24 team. Mm -hmm. So how many athletes do you think or gymnasts will she recruit initially? Or what did you learn by that experience? Did you take, I mean, you know, obviously she has 12 scholarships. So you don't want to give 12 scholarships to your first group of kids because right. you've got to spread that money out um, to create continuity. So well, how did you manage that at Arkansas? Well, the times were different and the rules were different back then. And so we had to start with all freshmen. The transferring wasn't that big a deal back then. People weren't doing it. If you're in the SEC, you had right. to sit down a whole year. And so it just wasn't happening very much. So today's times are much different. Um, and the thing is, you don't want to replace your entire team in four years. So that's why you don't want to give out 12 all freshmen. Now, she's in a unique situation, which is more advantageous than what we had, but also challenging in that there's this portal now. And so you have a lot of athletes who are entering the portal for different reasons, whether they're, they're in a fifth year and there's no money available and they want to continue their gymnastics and they, they need funding because with the new um, NCAA rule, the, the girls want to go fifth year now, the money has to be available. It's not extra money like it was this last year where they could have 14 or 15 on scholarship if the university could afford it. Uh, this next year, it's, it's on, you know, the university will only have 12. So she has the portal. She has the ability to, you know, look at some kids that are coming in as sophomores, juniors, seniors, or super seniors. So it's really quite 
advantageous to start a full roster the first year. She could conceivably have 12 kids on scholarship the first year and then have additional walk-ons that are interested in maybe trying to earn one or compete there. And they could still rotate within the next couple of years, athletes in and out based on the eligibility remaining for those kids. So the only thing is you have to do your research on why are they in the portal, you know, um, as far as what is their health. There's a lot of other things go into that. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for athletes as well as Amy to start this program off uh, hitting the road right away. So you're saying she could give out 12 scholarships to 23s? Well, she can give out. Yeah, she could give out full scholarships because what I'm saying is when depending For on their eligibility. Year. You know, right. She, so she some of those kids might only have one year. Correct. Correct. You have to look uh, at so, where they're at in their eligibility. Okay. It also it. Has, it all has to do with their eligibility, and as far as her, it's a strategy. And right. It gets, and it's a puzzle, you know. And then you also have to take a look as far as the strength of each event and making okay. sure your your team is balanced between all four events, so right. you're not top heavy on certain events. And so right. there is definitely a, a puzzle and a strategy that she has to. And she will uh, figure out and implement. So another interesting thing, um, I don't know if you would have had this happen because there's such different schools, like kids from your Stanford program wanting Mm -hmm. to go with you to Arkansas that maybe you recruited, believe it or not. I don't see that happening as much from Stanford to Arkansas. No, it, it did because I mean, academically, you're 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 not going to leave Stanford. I mean, and that no. I, have, I have such respect for that program, that university. Right. To start, I mean, the thing is, the perception of Arkansas was, I think, much different than the perception of Clemson too. So that yeah. it's different now, but back then it was really a difficult thing to to do. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are some times where athletes, you know, they want to come with their coaches, and now it's it's easier to do with the portal. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, some of these kids, I guess they did sign because they start in the fall. So at Utah State, may, who knows, want to move to with, with Maybe. they wouldn't start in the fall. So they'd have to be older, a year older. So well, you're committed. Be- yeah. Once you sign, you're committed for a year with that institution. So you got, you know, once they sign that national level intent, they are committed to that university for at least one year mm-hmm. before they can do that. Mm-hmm. So. Depends on, you know, kids, you know, and, and, but, you know, again, um, it's professional that when you leave, you just don't, you don't contact your kids. You don't talk to them about doing that. It's, it's gotta be on them to make that initiation. It's, it's, yeah. Right. Okay, great. So what were some of your greatest challenges in starting a division one team? Well, for us, I mean, it was, um, Again, the, the strategy as far as getting the, the number of kids on the team in order to be able to rotate, you know, uh, sequentially every three years or whatever, three or four kids in and out so we could get a full roster. We didn't have a full roster our first year. We only had like maybe eight kids on scholarship and one was on academic. And we knew some of the kids had some injuries that they might not make it four years. And, and that did that did happen, unfortunately, but that was just part of it. Um, so that was part of it. That was also just uh, recruiting in the SEC was difficult because, um, you know, they're looking at the powerhouse programs. And so it was really hard to go after the top kids. So you had to go after uh, athletes that might have been just a, a tier below uh, the elite level and develop them. So we tried to really develop our athletes. Um, that was a big challenge as far as and the perception of Arkansas back then was was not as, as good. I mean, we were a third tier school enrolled 
news, U.S. Uh, news uh, World Report on our academic rankings. So that's come up to a tier one now. So that's much better. We didn't have suites on campuses. Now we do. So everything, all the stuff is in place. It wasn't there to sell your program. But our, our facility was great. We were in the SEC. We had good funding. And uh, so we were solid in, in that aspect. So it was the perception of Arkansas a little bit. It was a little bit of the competition within the conference. So we went out nationally. We were getting kids from Seattle, Washington, Saranagashima, Casey Joe McGee came from, from NAG, you know. We uh, had kids from all over the country coming in, mm-hmm. not just within the SEC area, because we, that's what we had to do. Right. What do you think Amy's, what do you think Amy can do with a school like Clemson? How fast do you think she can get that program um, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's not easy, yeah. but um, to regionals and nationals, like how long does that take? And, or, or let's start with what level of athlete do you think she will recruit to that program? Well, I think you, you go for it. I mean, you have to go your level tens, you know, and, and uh, if you have a really good level nine, this on one or two events, you know, maybe, but usually level tens, uh, high level level tens and or some elites, you know, depending on where they're at in their recruiting process. She needs to go if she wants to be competitive. She needs to go and get the best kids possible at the highest level possible. Um, again, I think because of the portal and the situation right now, she has ability to do that. Yep. And um, you know, we missed regionals our first year by the last meet we got knocked out so we almost made it our first season ever with only like you know 10 kids on a team but only eight scholarship kids and then we made it every year after that so um i feel you know because clemson prestige wise it's it's a prestige university they have a lot of support there their conferences are maybe as strong as the sec but still um they have a good chance of making postseason their very first year easily and uh you know, I would, if I were Amy, I would just probably put it like a four or five year goal at making nationals. It's harder now to make nationals with the system. Like, you know, we had, you know, put a, a goal in place, you know, Renee and I, we talked about that as well, you know, trying to get our team to nationals within five years. We did it in four. Now we did get a little bit of help from, you know, another team having some errors, but we still took advantage of that. So we got our team to nationals in the fourth year of the program. And I think super six within the sixth year of the program. So, um, so I think that she definitely can make postseason the first year Um, at her conference. uh, She could definitely probably win that probably the first or second year. If she recruits well and everything goes her way, there's a little bit of luck involved and nationals. I think that's a, that's a four year plan. I think within four years, if, if uh, she recruits well and, and they're competing strong because she knows how to train. She's got a lot of experience. She was at nationals with Missouri. She's with the nationals with UCLA many times. And, and, and I saw our team compete this year at regionals. And, and uh, so she's got a lot of passion, a lot of energy. Um, and I know she's going to work her tail off. That's great. Yeah. Um, what do you think the best part is for a recruit to be in a startup program? Well, like we told our athletes when they came here, you are going to set the record. You're going to be the first ever for this university in, in, this, in this category or doing this or doing that. So every time they did, somebody said, you're the first. I remember <laughs> the, the first athlete, Kim Harris, uh, was our very first athlete out of Marbitines. And, and she was competing vault. She was the very first one to compete vault. And I almost like, you know, I had a heart attack because I'm so nervous. Don't mess up. And there are like 5,000 people that are watching the very first fall, and they had never seen gymnastics before. 
side because there wasn't anything in the state. That was another challenge. There were no clubs with high-level gymnasts. There was only one active judge in the whole state. So there was just not, not that experience. There were a few private clubs, but that was about it. So just, you know, it'll be exciting for them to have everything they do. They will set the record from the, from the get-go. And then from there, it just it goes on. So you're, you'll be the first to do this and the first to compete and the first to make their, their conference, you know, championship and first for everything. Yeah, how exciting. It is, it is. It's uh, to create something from scratch. I mean, like I say, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. It doesn't happen very often, especially at this caliber. There's been a few other programs that have started up and, and are doing okay or doing well. But again, when a university commits to, to this level, it's really exciting because it's all in, you know. You know, and I think some families don't realize there are tiers of larger budgets, medium right. budgets, lower budgets. I was at Oregon State. They had, we built that budget. We built that program, but it got to where, I mean, we had the funding to get out and recruit, to go into parents' home or kids' homes, yeah. travel that way. Um, Amy's going to have that, I bet. I mean, right. I have a feeling her budget is going to be really, really one of the best. So yeah. she's actually going to be able to get out there where I don't know at Utah State if that was an option as much. Um, so I think that's going to be a big difference for not only um, recruits who want to go to Clemson, they're going to probably yeah. see her in, in their gyms, in their clubs, in their homes, and just she She's going to have everything she needs, I think, don't you? Well, yeah, she's going to have the budget that's comparable to SEC budgets and some of the other top programs, budgets, Utah, UCLA, et cetera. And you have to because it's how you travel, how, how you do things. And, um, and there's that saying, for those who are given much, much is expected. And so, you know, they will be, you know, you, you want to nurture, you want to support, but they also, you got it's all comes down to hard work and both in the athletes and the coaches and, and have the passion and have the goals, you know, to set the goals high, you know, and see how close she can get to them. Um, so uh, she will definitely have, I think, the support there to, to do what she needs to do to be, you know, a top tier program. Yeah. So exciting for our sport, isn't it? Yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Okay, so I asked some parents to send in some of their questions, and um, I got a few here, and I thought these were pretty good. One was, um, since there's no existing culture when a new team has been formed, how do you go about trying to create a strong culture amongst the team members in time for season? Well, you have to do a lot of team building. Okay, there's things you can do as far as, you, whether it's, you know, finding things to do um, in the community that are fun oriented and people have escape room. They have different things they do. We have, we had laser tag. We did with our team at this place here to, to build that, that unity. We did a retreat. I took them out camping one time that didn't go over so well. <laughs> These guys didn't want to be intense for the night, but you know, you go on hikes together, you have dinners together. You know, you, you have meetings together where you talk about goal setting and stuff. So you build that culture uh, you get out in the community. There's a lot of community activity to do, which brings the team closer together when you're giving back to a community and helping. That's a pride. That's a connection. It, it makes you invested in that program. Mm -hmm. So that's the culture. And then, you know, you, you just have to, you know, talk about how we can help each other, you know, on the team and, and to achieve our goals and make sure that it's all about the team and not just the self and, uh, and be selfless, you know, and so that's part of it too. So it, 
it's a lot of work, you know, but it's also fun in the process uh, to build that culture. It's a, it's a winning culture. It's just not about gymnastics. It's about life. And, and how can you, you know, work on, on making them better human beings, you know, uh, as well and good students besides being great athletes. Great. Uh, another quick question somebody had, when should my daughter reach out to Amy? We kind of answered that, but any thoughts yeah. on that? I would just say, you know, you can always send, you know, your emails or a letter of interest and things like that, a little bit of your background um, and, and where you're at, what your goals are. And, um, you know, coaches will file that. They'll keep that in order. And then I would, I would fall back and, you know, maybe once a month, you know, as far as just want to touch base again, uh, because we're talking, like you said, probably within you know a couple of months, she has to get there and get things in or getting that gym built is, is a big one, but I know they'll, they'll get that done fast. It was, it's a fun process. Um, and so I think that just getting back to the, the head coach would be fine. And, um, you know, possibly, you know, uh, even having their coach maybe reach out as well, you know, saying, Hey, just wanted to call you on behalf of my athlete. She's really interested, you know, and just leave some messages, but just, uh, uh, you know, you got to communicate, but not overdo it. Right. Very good. Yeah. How many walk-ons? This is the last question. Do you think a startup program will take to get things going? Well, like I said, I, I think Amy, and again, I don't want to speak for her. You know, I do talk to her some, but I don't want to speak for her. But I think, you know, with a, with a portal in the system we have right now, she could definitely have 12 kids in her first season on scholarship. You know, if she staggers them out and does her thing. Um, and then depends on the interest of other athletes. I'm not sure of the clubs in the area where you'd be able to, and, you know, have some walk-ons come in to want to be a part of that program as well and try to earn something down the road because there will be more mobility in her program in the first three years because of the portal and the, the eligibility of the kids that are in the program. So that there's going to be more mobility if they work hard and they're, and they're really contributing, there might be an opportunity there. So I can see her having, and more teams are having more walk-ons now just because uh, of the injury rate, you know, unfortunately, you know, and a lot of times some of your walk-ons are, I, some of my best kids on, on this program have been some walk-ons, you know, they're just, just working their tails off. And uh, so, you know, you know, we're looking, you know, the numbers wise, you know, it's nice, I think, to have, you know, probably 16 or 17 kids on a team, but some of them have, you know, 18, 19, 20 but you want to have the opportunity to compete too. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's really exciting to be part of, of, a, of a new program. Okay, change the topic here. Okay. And you may, um, I mean, I don't know, it'd be just neat to hear what you think. So we know a lot's going on at um, UCLA, which is mm -hmm. where you started out college coaching. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And do you, you know, are you watching it from a distance? And I just was curious where you're at with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching it like, you know, most coaches are watching it. I, I love coaching UCLA personally. That was one of my favorite places. I love the ocean and I was able to be an assistant coach there and just focus on the coaching. And Val could do the, the office stuff and, and the drama. But uh, at the same time, I loved coaching. I loved the teams that I coached there. Um, it's, uh, it's a little different. It's a different beast now with this NIL you know, and that's very complicated. That's something that, that uh, coaches have to really understand and, and be flexible with and, and deal with because that's the world we're living in right now. Um, and there's some very strong personalities there that are very talented athletes. And um, 
unfortunately, it's a situation that, you know, yeah, it has to find a way to uh, come together, you know, and, um, and I'm, I'm optimistic that uh, it's a great program, great university, it's got great rich history. Um, and I'm optimistic that it'll, it'll, it'll smooth out, come back together and, and be the program that it's always been. It's just going to take, you know, the right individual coming into it and, uh, and being able to, you know, get those kids uh, on the same page again. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I thought of another question or just a conversation I'd love to have briefly. You know, with social media now, the challenges are great. I do hear a lot of coaches saying, you know, they're glad they're not coaching anymore because mm-hmm. of the challenges they face in terms of, um, well, you and I both know <laughs> we've been assistant coaches, we've been head coaches, and you're learning as you go along too. I mean, you you know, we don't do everything perfectly and we make mistakes and, um, you know, the word abuse can be from different, all different levels. And, um, you know, I think the thing that I now with social media and what we're hearing and seeing out there sometimes in a backlash for experiences for the athlete that are unfortunate but there's also experiences with these coaches that can be unfortunate and we don't get to hear both sides of the story, but on social media, sometimes just one side of the story is coming out. I thought a lot about it because, you know, it's scary as a coach to, or uh, uh, yeah, as a coach to come out on social media and give your side of the story because it looks so unprofessional. And then pretty soon you start this, you know, back and forth that is, Mm -hmm is really not meant for that platform but can you speak to what you're seeing and um I just want to also I mean my heart goes out um I went through some abuse myself so I get the abuse side like you know it takes years to to get through some of that it it's not easy my heart goes out to those kids no question I don't want to just come on here and say something like on behalf of the coaches to defend the coaches because that's not my point but I think there needs to be more conversation surrounding also um, taking a step back realizing it's two experiences and you and I both know we've had athletes that we've coached in college where we've had to have those hard meetings and they're not fun but the athlete isn't holding up their end of the deal either in their commitment and so what it looks like or would be perceived on the outside when changes have to happen and decisions have to be made that are, we, we heard over, I mean, there, it's not easy and we don't always do it right, but I feel like there needs to be some conversations from people like us or coaches, but they're afraid to do that because, you know, what are are your thoughts on all that and all the changes that have happened since you and I've been college coaches? Well, I, I think a lot of lot of coaches are fearful, you know, that of this profession, and because there's been so much attention given to some of the negatives that have happened in our sport, and uh, they sometimes feel like they have a bullseye on their back, you know, that they can't say anything. Right. And with social media, I mean, it's it's a situation where you, you don't want to, you know, you gotta keep things to yourself to a large extent. You have to, you know, um, be politically correct. You know, you got to be sensitive to everything, you know, which is, is, is correct and fine. But, you know, coaches are still human beings too. 
and to have those hard conversations with athletes is is it's gut wrenching. I mean, I would lose sleep many nights about a conversation me I had to have with an athlete, athlete wanting to make sure I said all the right things and and I was I was consistent in what I was uh, was doing. Accountability is really important. You know, the thing is, people have to understand these athletes need to be held accountable as well. It's not just the coaches because we're all human beings. We all make mistakes. They make mistakes too. And there's a lot of things people don't know, you know, that are kept professional and kept confidential, you know, and that's the way they should be. It's, it's like a family. You keep things in the family. But uh, at the same time, you know, these kids have been through different situations. And some of the coaching techniques, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago were much more um, intense and much more aggressive. And they were harmful in some ways, looking back, you know, and in a lot of ways. And so that's changed within our society and changed within our culture, you know, as, as far as the direction that's going within our sport as well. And I think a lot of coaches are, are adapting to that now. And you have to, that's part of it. You have to adapt to the times, the culture and everything and the rules and coaches have to do that and figure it out in order to move forward and make this sport, you know, a safe, fun, you know, healthy experience. But at the same time, it's a very hard sport. It's, it's uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, there's dangers involved, you know, fears. And these kids are going through a lot of changes between 18 and 21, 22. I mean, it's a major change in their life and we have to help guide them through it. Um, and sometimes there's some hard love involved, you know, and, but I would hope people would understand that, you know, it's not all coaches, but, you know, there are some coaches that, do some things that are kind of like boneheaded, you know, and not mature and not correct. But there's a lot of coaches out there that really love their kids like their own. Like me personally, I never had children of my own. So my the teams I had, although I, I never wanted to get in their personal business, I loved them, whether they knew that or not, you know. And uh, there were times they might have been upset with me, but there were times I was upset, upset with them. So it's a relationship and it's to be able to communicate better. And that's kind of how I see it right now. And and I just think that, you know, we have to communicate more going forward so that the kids have their trust in their coaches and the coaches have the trust in their kids, you know, and uh, so they can work together in a positive manner going forward. But it's, it's definitely social media is, is something that's changed everything in our lives. And we have to be careful about what it does, positive versus negative. And, you know, if at all possible, possible, have, like I said, more conversation and we need to try to be positive because positive works most of the time, negative works all the time. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. This was a really wonderful um, conversation. I think it's going to benefit so many of um, our JH girls and um, hopefully uh, we can see amazing things happen there at Clemson. And I'm sure, um, you know, Amy will be calling you for advice. I hope so. I'm here to help. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, Jill. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. If you're interested in Jill Hicks Consulting's advising services, head over to www.jhicksconsulting.com and click on the Get Started button to fill out your forms page. One of our advisors will give you a call. We're in your corner and we'll talk to you soon.